Chapter Thirteen of the Yellow Dove by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. The Unwilling Guest. After the light of dawn went out upon the cliffs of Ruda Moor, Doris Mather hung for a long while upon the brink of an abyss. Below her darkness, above her light, she strove upward but in the dim moments of half-consciousness was aware of a force restraining her and a recurrence of the odor in which the darkness had first come she had a sense of motion and of jolting the feeling of arms about her a descent the sound of water and the rocking of a boat brief glimpses she had of sunlight which revealed outlines dimly like the glow of summer lightning upon familiar objects making them curiously unfamiliar john rizzio's face persisted in these visions a fantastic rizzio much larger than the man she knew deferential and punctilious as ever and strangely grave a stout man with a swarthy face in a cap and brass buttons just above her darkly outlined against white clouds which seemed to be whirling rapidly past him dully she found herself wondering where the clouds were going so rapidly and why they didn't come back later darkness and peace where there were no visions and the sky no longer whirled a steady vibration which soothed her and she blissfully slept when she awoke the visions were gone and as her senses returned she started up but her head swam and she sank back again as she had risen a woman emerged from the shadows of the room and came forward and then slowly as full consciousness returned the girl realized that she was on an ocean-going vessel in a cabin or stateroom very beautifully appointed she started up in her bed and looked out of the porthole to see the amber crests of waves leaping rapidly past then she heard the woman's voice speaking you are feeling better doris turned and looked at her a woman of middle age with a kindly face dressed in white linen what yacht is this she asked the sylph miss mr rizzio's she replied doris thought for a moment the last thing her waking consciousness remembered were the cliffs of Ruda Moor. How did I come here? she asked again. The woman shook her head. I don't know, miss. Her manner was kind and most respectful, but her tone was decisive. She was obeying instructions. Is Mr. Rizzio aboard? Doris asked again. Yes, miss. And he asked me to tell you that when you felt sufficiently recovered, he would be glad to wait upon you in the saloon oh i understand when doris rose and put her feet to the swaying deck nausea overcame her but the woman who was prepared for this emergency offered a glass filled with cloudy liquid drink this she said it will make you feel better doris looked into the woman's face and recognizing the aromatic odor took the draught the nausea passed after a moment and she managed to get up and make her way to the bathroom as she bathed her face 
memory returned full memory of the events of the previous night the scene upon the cliffs with cyril the destroyer rizzio stryker ruta moore the yellow dove and then unconsciousness chloroform there were the vestiges of it upon her clothing still they had drugged her when she took off her shirtwaist something fell to the floor a paper she picked it up and looked at it it was rizzio's note to her at kilmorick house asking her to come to ben Akilt so that he might make her prisoner she remembered now that she had thrust it into her waist when she went out she folded the letter carefully and put it in her stays after the other indignity she had suffered it seemed strange that they had not searched her too she would keep the letter perhaps later she would find use for it john rizzio it was difficult for her mind to associate him with the villainy of abduction and yet as her brain grew clearer she became quite sure that there was no other answer to the problem indeed from the replies of the stewardess she knew that john rizzio had chosen that she should know it was to be a problem no longer the sylph that was his yacht she had been on the boat before two years ago during the races in the solent abduction he had dared she was not frightened yet fury at his temerity blinded her to all sense of danger a phrase of cyril's came back to her illuminating the chaos of her thoughts you know too much too much for your own good or mine cyril's cigarette papers she was the only one beside cyril who had read their contents rizzio had carried her off had brought her to the sylph which was out of sight of land speeding for germany what was he going to do with her fury passed and weakness followed she did not know what time of day it was but she was aware that it had been long since she had eaten in the cabin she found a tray set with food and coffee which the stewardess insisted upon serving her she sank into an armchair refusing to eat but the woman persisted and the odor of the coffee was tempting it was luncheon she found and remembered that she had had no appetite for dinner at lady heathcote's and that it must be quite twenty-four hours since she had broken bread the coffee gave her courage and in spite of herself she found that she was eating heartily with a genuine relish she was a good sailor and the nausea which she now knew was the effect of the drug had passed the stewardess stood beside her and to the other questions doris put to her answered politely but volunteered nothing further than she had already told in spite of the woman's care and attention the girl could not get rid of the idea that the stewardess had been sent as a guardian as well as a maid she was a prisoner of john rizzio of germany whither he was bringing her as fast as the yacht could take them finding at last that her attempts to extract information from her stolid servitress were fruitless and feeling strengthened by the food she had taken she got up and told the woman that she was going on deck 
asking that Mr. Rizzio be informed that she would see him. As she emerged upon the deck, the crisp wintry air sent the color slowly into her pallid cheeks. The yacht was bowling along with the wind and sea quartering, and the foam crests leaped alongside, sending an occasional spurt of spray into the air, where the wind caught it and blew it across the decks in a feathery mist of rainbows. The sunlight glinted on polished wood and brasswork, and at the stern, caught in the cross of St. George, where the flag of England flapped in the breeze. The flag of England, sheltering John Rizzio. She scanned the horizon anxiously. Perhaps an English cruiser or destroyer might come to whom she might be able to tell the real character of the owner of the vessel, but there was no vessel in sight. A sailor passed her and touched his cap. The deference encouraged her. It reminded her that this was the same deck upon which she had stood when John Rizzio was suing for her hand, an honorable host when she had been an honored guest. A loud crackling came to her ears from the wireless room. He was there, already in communication with his employers in Germany. Even now, with Cyril's words still ringing in her ears, she found it difficult to believe that John Rizzio was England's enemy and the price of his treachery a picture the descent from the cross what a mockery that a man who would stoop to such dishonor could make its price a picture which typified the conquest of sublime virtue even over death the wind was searching and the maid brought a heavy coat with brass buttons from below and put it on her with the word that mr rizzio had sent it and would come to her in a few moments she sat in a deck chair in the lee of the deck house her lips firmly compressed trying to think what his ulterior purpose might be planning a defense which might make her invulnerable an attack which might search his intentions and discover the true relation that was to exist between them he came toward her from forward muffled in a greatcoat and carrying a rug he took off his cap with an air of deference which answered at once some of her questions she rose and faced him her color high what are you going to do with me she asked trying to keep her lips from trembling he smiled and pulled at his mustache first i hope you'll give me a chance to explain what she cried hotly what can you explain don't you suppose i know what you are a german spy a traitor to england and worse than that a woman baiter and a coward mr rizzio he bent his head i make no defense he said except necessity and then gravely indicating the chair from which she had risen won't you sit down the voyage may be long but she still stood i am a prisoner not a guest then i command you to sit he said with a laugh won't you a sound of exasperation came from her throat and she obeyed him her gaze on the sea while with some ostentation he covered her with a rug what are you going to do with me in germany she repeated dully he sank into the chair beside her as i have often told you you are a woman of rare intelligence 
in reply i can only say that unfortunately i do not know a coward who is also a, a liar she said bitterly a coward is usually a liar but a liar isn't always a coward i am a liar doris if you will but a courageous one my name is mather she said distinctly he shrugged and turned his gaze on the sea you hate me of course we are enemies i am sorry i warned you that you were entangled in an affair that was leading you into dangerous paths i would have saved you if i could but you had learned too much and so you had me chloroformed it was a pity that you didn't complete your work i merely did what was required of me through a most unfortunate combination of circumstances you came into possession of a secret known to but one person in england and you are the only person with english sympathies who knows my exact political status a spy contemptuously what you will a spy if you like but a strong friend of germany who resents an attempt by a nation jealous of her growing commercial supremacy to wipe her out of existence i have lived in england long and i have known many of the men who have made her what she is but never in all those years has england ever given me one token of the high nobility she preaches i have passed for many years as an englishman i am not english i am cosmopolitan and to a cosmopolitan residence is but an accident pray spare me the details of your treachery he laughed easily i am afraid you are at my mercy i shall try to be lenient you are an american i am an italian to call me a traitor to england because i happen to have a liking for germany would be much like my calling you a traitor to germany because you happen to have a liking for england i have never eaten the bread and salt of germany or wormed my way into the hearts of its people i'm sure you flatter me the people of my set in london are agreeable but doris had straightened in the act of rising i did not come on deck to discuss your ideals or germany's i hope that you will excuse you will not listen no i care nothing for your political views i am your prisoner i want to know without further words the worst that i am to expect from you you have been upon the sylph before what was proper for you then is proper for you now you are quite safe in my hands i shall try to make you comfortable does that answer your question and after you are to be delivered to the head of the secret service department of the german empire the girl paled and sank back into her chair why she asked because you are in possession of information that he wants what information it isn't true i know nothing i am sorry he apologized again the cigarette papers you read them no no you forget that you have already admitted that you have also read the second message 
which was to take the place of the first you are dreaming a second message i know nothing of a second message pardon me if i remind you of it you would have burned it in the drawing-room at kilmorick house if mr hammersley hadn't taken it from your hand she stared at him bewildered at his astounding omniscience his devilish ingenuity it frightened her his cleverness and his pursuit of her it seemed that she had never had a chance to get away from him and yet his manner was so carefully studied his attitude toward her so coldly impersonal that as a man once a lover she no longer feared him if love of her had ever been in his heart a greater passion had burned it out she was grateful for this and prepared to measure her woman's wit to his thinking of cyril what would cyril have her do you mean that you will let them the germans question me if they wish to do so but how will it benefit them if the papers are already in their possession you will forgive me if i find it possible to doubt she turned away from him and studied the lines of foam that streamed across the green troughs of the sea i suppose that conversation between us two is superfluous you distrust me and i i think perhaps he said gravely that it would be pleasanter for both of us not to hear your sentiments toward me since the night of lady heathcote's dinner in london you ceased to be miss doris mather and became merely an official document it is my duty to preserve it and deliver it safely i hope you may succeed otherwise the american ambassador in berlin may unfortunately he went on quietly the american ambassador cannot be informed she laughed with a greater confidence than she felt you surely can't believe that my absence from england will pass unnoticed do you think that my father that lady heathcote she paused bewildered they will merely know that you rode late at night to Benakilt, and that your horse was found riderless on the moor she buried her face in her hands and a sob broke from her throat it was true they would think her dead for the first time she really was able to think of things in their true aspect it's cruel she gasped how could you he was too wise to touch her or even by his manner to show too deep a sympathy i am sorry he said coolly awfully sorry as you know i would have had things different you may still doubt me when i say that what i have done is the hardest task that i ever undertook in my life but that is true you were the only person in england who jeopardized my existence there i had to take you away i regret the necessity of having to use force i shall do what i can here upon the sylph to counteract the unpleasant impression of my brutality i am not a bully and a woman baiter i am a spoke in the wheel of destiny which you had clogged by all the rules of the game you should have died reasons which i need not mention made your death at my hands 
an impossibility so i merely removed you to a place of safety no harm shall come to you i pledge my honor thanks she said dully struggling up her face away from him and then dauntlessly small thing as it is i must be content with that she had risen and turned and now if you don't mind i will go below i would prefer to be alone if as you protest you would do me kindness you will not ask to see me he bowed i have given instructions that you shall be allowed to do as you please mrs madden will furnish you with all that you require both i think of linen and toilet articles i shall not try to see you again until we land she bowed her head and went down rizzio watched her until she disappeared and then walked over to the rail and peered out over the sea it had taken some self-command to go through this interview as he had planned it and in conquering himself he had succeeded in establishing a relation between them which made his presence at least bearable to her the impersonal tone which he had used through the interview was the one most calculated to put her at her ease with him and the perfect frankness of his confession had made her understand at once that sentimentality at least she had nothing to fear from him john rizzio was wise in the ways of women and the particular woman now thrown upon his mercy even though she was the one woman in the world he had thought the most desirable was to be treated with the delicate consideration due to her unfortunate dependence upon him a flash of sentiment a breath of revelation of his ultimate purposes toward her and the woman would be lost to him her misfortunes if anything had made her more desirable than ever especially since he had been the cause of them for one mad moment he had thought this morning of turning the sylph toward the waters of the south atlantic forgetting the quarrels of the nations in which she had become involved and of seeking a new world where he could begin again trusting to time and opportunity and his own patience and tact to bring a sentimental victory out of what had already been defeat a mad moment but a tempting one but the time was not yet he must be patient with hammersley gone he straightened and slowly strolled forward to the wireless room toward evening he was given confirmation of the wisdom of his course for as he was pacing the deck aft she came up from below and joined him she was looking rather white but she smiled at him brightly and matched her steps to his i was lonely below she said you don't mind he had never thought her lovelier her face if anything had always needed just those shadows of pain to make it perfect i hadn't hoped for such a kindness you are feeling better yes thanks and since we must meet i'm willing to try to be friendly i'm sure you'll find that i'll meet you more than halfway he said politely they talked far into the evening and at her request they dined together in the saloon he was reserved but not cautious 
and when the evening was over remembered hazily that she had succeeded in learning something from him of general von stromberg the head of the german secret service department of the aviation field at windenberg and of the frequent flights of the yellow dove since the beginning of the winter the next morning passed quietly doris did not appear until noon but just before luncheon a smudge of smoke appeared upon the horizon which rapidly grew larger and in a little while she made out the lines of a war vessel steaming in a direction which would intercept the yacht the sylph did not slow down until a solid shot from a gun in the forecastle of the destroyer went ricocheting across her bows when the engine was stopped and john rizzio made slowly aft to where she stood miss mather he said briefly i must ask you to go below to your cabin at once a glance at his face showed that her protests would have been useless and she went below to her own stateroom the door of which was locked upon her through the heavy glass of her porthole she saw the vessel approach until within hailing distance when a boat dropped from her side into which a boat's crew and an officer clambered and rowed alongside the vessel bore no flag but the girl clearly heard the hail of the boarding officer and realized that the destroyer was an english vessel her hopes rose perhaps even now the Englishman would find something irregular in the yacht's papers and would take charge, conveying her back to England. She waited for a long time and then heard the clatter of oars and saw the boat push off from the side of the yacht while the officer, young, slender, and wind-burned, stood up in the stern sheets of his boat. All right, she heard him say. Sorry to have troubled you. Pleasant voyage. Goodbye never had english sounded so good to her but it was with a sigh of despair that she saw the boat reach the side of the war vessel and felt the steadily increasing rhythm of the engines of the yacht as she drove once more upon her way when the two vessels were at a distance from each other the key turned in the lock of the door and in reply to a knock she found john rizzio himself standing hat in hand in the gangway i seem to be in a continual state of apology but of course you realize the necessity for my action i am in your power she said helplessly i hope you will believe that i shall not abuse it she shrugged her shoulders and followed him to luncheon managing to preserve at table a cheerfulness which she was far from feeling throughout the morning she had been thinking hard and the only course that was open to her if her courage did not fail was the one that she was following if she was to be able in any way to help cyril she must try to learn what she could accept the situation with good grace and perhaps by some turn of good fortune find a way to disarm john rizzio and profit by an inadvertence or mistake but as the second day wore on she found her task increasingly difficult at luncheon mr rizzio was more reserved and during the afternoon as they approached waters in which german warships were more likely to be found he spent much time in the wireless room where a repetition of the crackling noises advised her that he was again in communication with 
the land of her enemies after dinner at which rizzio had been very quiet he requested politely that she go at once to her cabin which she did to hear the sound of the key again turned in the lock of her door despair came over her and at last she cried herself to sleep awakening during the night at the glare of a searchlight which pierced her window-port she got up and looked out to see a dark bulk looming alongside the flashing of lanterns and heard the sound of voices speaking german at last all was quiet again and the steady hammer of the vessel's propeller told her that the sylph was again on her way she must have slept again for the silver of dawn was already modifying the gloom of her cabin when there was a knock upon her door and she rose the stewardess fully dressed was outside mr rizzio asks me to request you to please dress at once as breakfast will be served in half an hour she obeyed blindly aware that there was no motion to the deck of her cabin and that the sylph was now riding on an even kill she verified her guess at the nearness of their destination by a glance through the porthole which showed her that the vessel had reached the quieter waters of a bay or river in which she slipped smoothly onward there were vessels at anchor large and small and beyond them she made out the lines of a shore upon which at intervals buildings loomed mrs madden the stewardess would not talk and it was not until she reached the breakfast-table that doris learned where they were we shall reach bremen shortly said rizzio i do not know how you feel about the matter but i would suggest that it would save you much trouble and anxiety to trust yourself entirely into my hands i know of nothing else she said quietly what are you going to do i shall confer with certain officials when we reach the city which will be in a few moments after that we will take the seven o'clock train for windenberg End of chapter thirteen